<laughs> I know that's gonna get clipped too. Uh, I so. told him. I told him. You know, you just said that you like it deep and meaty, right, on the street, <laughs> like. He's <laughs> talking about his pizza, man. Yeah, talking about his pizza. He's talking he thick himself. crust, too. Go on. I'm sorry. You made me lose my train of thought, man. I typed Damn. it. I was hoping you wouldn't see it as you were talking about it. I apologize. No, but you know how I am. I'm like, I have ADD right now. So I got to see something up. could see it now as they marched closer toward the mountains. It was some form of magic. Then what appeared to be a dense fog were random sparks of electrical current. It was as if, as if the fog was a storm raging around the mountain base. Tall towers seemed to rise within this cloud, and it was clear they had found a hidden empire now lost in the mists of time. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. I'm joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back, Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back, Half Tilt. Hello, hello, everybody. I mean, I don't know if you know this. I know I told Pasha, right? I think I told Pasha when he was here last week. Um, but you and Pasha are the next two with their with the emotes for our Discord that are uh, in production currently. So, Ooh. oh fuck uh, yeah, bud! I know it, man. I know it. I'm pretty stoked. I see we got a lot of people hanging in chat already. Welcome in, Ashes fam, fellow Pathfinders. We are going to get started, but first. Before we dig in, I want to give a shout out to the home of this podcast over at AshesHQ.com, community curated website for Ashes of Creation. Also, a shout out to all the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Um, also, if you'd like to do us a solid and leave us a five-star review over on iTunes, you can go to our pinned post at the top of our Twitter right there, at Ashes Pathfinder. Look for the iTunes review. Click on it. Give us five stars. Leave us a comment. We'll read it live here on the show. Speaking of messages for the show, you can call into one 539 Leave us a voice message, and we'll play it here on the show. Or if you feel like you just want to shoot a random message, you can always join us on discord.gg4 slash smorg or shoot a message to ashespathfinders at gmail.com and that grunt will get it to us sometime in the future now a couple announcements related to well this week and hq news in general is always looking for more curators to help contribute especially in the form of articles on the hq got one two currently including my well technically myself three but one is uh not named yet um I'm sure they will be at some point in time in the future. Um, but yeah, we got some we got some great things coming to the HQ here in the near future. Uh, shout out to helpful curators like uh, uh, Skylark and any of the ones in the past who have been very helpful with curating articles to help out with the greater Ashes community. Um, also, we had a uh, Ashes talk last week, roughly, I think it was Wednesday. And that Ashes talk was for all of you all to essentially um, contribute your thoughts around the topic that we're going to be discussing here. So if you ever see an Ashes talk, go live 
live on the Ashes HQ YouTube. Definitely be sure to chime in. We take those uh, comments and feedback directly, talk about them here on the show. Um, so I did gather some feedback around the last one, um, talking about a tall order, and we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. Also, Knights of the Phoenix, the spearhead of this community, is recruiting for Ashes of Creation, but more importantly for the community. So if you're part of this community, uh, whether you're around the podcast, any of the live streams, any of the YouTube content, you enjoy your time here, I definitely encourage you to join us here on Discord. Shoot me a message if you're interested. And we'll definitely talk about getting you, getting you included into the uh, guild here. Um, we're small currently, but we're building brand new from the ground up, community first, that's the goal. And we do community nights currently with the greater community that wants to hang out on Fridays, most Fridays. We got one coming up here on Friday where if you want to just be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, anybody's welcome to do it. We're going to probably do some cities of uh, City of Heroes, which you all have probably heard Daedalus talk a lot about. It's a free-to-play game at this point. It's an MMO. It's a little older, um, but it definitely is going to give me some frame of reference every time Daedalus is bringing up uh, that game as we're talking about things related to Ashes here on this podcast. So um, it's just something we can do. I think we might do some maybe Albion online down the road. Um, we gave doing community... <laughs> engagement on the Elden Ring um, Friday. That is a they need to work on that. I think Daedalus. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. hot garbage is probably True. the side in terms of how it works. But I mean, I think the overall <laughs> like the idea is good. It's just the execution. Uh, like yeah. among everything else, I think that's working really well. That's definitely something that needs a little love. So. Definitely, yeah. That's what I've been playing. Uh, uh, with my spare time when I have it. I know Daedalus and several others here in the community. It's just really nice. I don't know. Not everybody's into dark fantasy style games. Um, I like the grit and I play Dark Souls games, but this one, it just is doing a lot of things right by an open world RPG game. Um, I love the fact that you don't, you know, like they don't give you this quest log when you go talk to somebody like that's just nice. I know in MMORPGs, it's a bit more, a bit more helpful, you know what I mean? Because you collect a lot of quests a lot of the time and they can be very important to kind of have that integrated. And luckily, Ash has already kind of has a pretty solid system we saw in Alpha 1. But uh, yeah, catching up with y'all. Well, what have you been up to since the last time you were here? I know Half Tilt's been away a couple weeks. Uh, Daedalus Half Tilt, what have you been up to in the past week or so? I mean, I think you hit it for me. It's like, you know, in my spare time, I have been jumping into Elden Ring. And I, I like... I mentioned on the LFM podcast, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at, you know, every Thursday, uh, 5 p.m. CDT. <laughs> Thanks, uh, by the way. That was nice. <laughs> um, I, this is my first Souls game that I'm, I'm actually like, you know, digging into. I mean, I have like tried Bloodborne and kind of didn't really get into it. And, and I haven't really mm -hmm. tried any of the other Souls games uh, other than maybe like The Surge, I think, was one that I tried as well. I'm actually now I feel like I'm getting desensitized to defeat. So it's not I mean, it's not to say that I don't get excited when <laughs> like in a bad way, right? When I do get defeated, but I'm used to the fact that it's like I'm going to go in expecting failure so that if I do succeed, then it's the victory is much sweeter. I and like so, it. yeah, definitely uh, that that's been uh, in my my gaming outlet here this past week. All right. on, man. I love the way you put that, by the way. That was great. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, but you have tilt, man. I, uh, I was actually out of town last week. Mm. Um, I, I flew out to Toronto for the week and spent uh, a week in the city doing a lot of walking around and eating a lot of amazing food. Nice. And had a really good time. You know, I'm, uh, 
I'm not really a big city kind of person at all. I like to be out in the woods and stuff, but Mm -hmm. it was a really nice vacation. It was a nice treat to just go and spend a few days there walking around, putting some miles on the boots and uh, burning off all the calories I was eating because there was a Mm. lot. And Toronto's got a ton of amazing ethnic foods. It was so, so good. Yeah, they do. I've actually been there once upon a time. It was a long time ago, but... I got to the CN Tower, and as somebody who's not a, I can do heights. I just want to preface: I can do heights. I'm just not a fan, um, primarily because I like. I think if I always was wearing a parachute or you know had ropes tied off, I'd always be pretty solid with it, just because I'd have a little bit of control over my fate. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of the situation, but I'm very desensitized to it at this point in my life. But I remember seeing the CN Tower, and I was like. Those glass floors, man. I was like, oh, man, this is uh, a little outside my comfort zone, I think. I was, uh, it's kind of a surreal experience. Really? You know? I didn't go up there this time. I used to, I, I lived in, in the suburbs of Toronto for about 10 years, mm. many years ago now. Um, so I've been there. But, man, yeah, it's a surreal experience to be standing, you know, I don't know what it is, like 100 floors up and on a glass ceiling and just looking down at all the the ants below you because that's what people look like it from that height true story my <laughs> friend it's very very true I, it was very very weird too because i just felt like as i looked down everything's almost had like a a weird uh visual effect or whatever going on i just felt like yeah it was a trip though but it's like the tallest tower in the world right so it's uh it's a massive it's a massive tower to climb and um by climb i mean ride an elevator up to um but it's yeah. You imagine getting stuck on that thing in the elevator. Talk about anxiety, right? <laughs> That'd be the worst. Yeah, that would There's be. a fire in the lobby. You can't take the elevator oh, down now, and there's no stairs. Hope oh, they got some rappel ropes. That's so true, man. I've uh the past week I got to spend some time with family. It's been a couple months since I got to see like my mom and brothers all together and stuff, celebrated a little bit, had some had some grub. I've worked out like proudly I can say. I am on my one week straight of exercise. I always get like three to four days in a week, but I'm really like, ah, it's time. I, I'm I'm ready to kick this up and like, let's let's go, man. Let's go. I'm kicking back into soldier mode, man. And I felt great. I even got a nice exercise in today. Got got up earlier. Felt like I got tons done. Um, yeah, I've been chipping away at it, man. Getting a lot done with like preparing for my first book and everything. Uh, it's been really, really nice uh, getting a lot of those life goals done. So, um, or at least making progress on them. And for me, that's like, you know, probably some of the most satisfying experiences I can have. Even yesterday, man, I even eldering yesterday, I got, I got done with everything, hanging out family, was totally tired because I had a massive workout uh, before all that. And I uh, ended up getting in on, on the Elden Ring. I wasn't on very long, under an hour, but I finally I went after one of these like night men, night, night riders that basically is up, out there at night. I forget what they're called, the night cavalry. Totally thumped the one with the with the flail that runs around that kicked my ass before. I was like, oh, we got time, homie. We're doing this. I lost. I died the first time to like genuinely because my UI bugged out or something. And I was like, and he was like within an inch of his life too. And I was like, that was the worst. And then I came back and I got him the second time. Just, Oh, it was so gratifying watching him fall enemy fallen. Those texts, that text on your screen in that game is so satisfying. Um, But we did the ashes talk, called it a tall order. We reflected on, 
some of the feedback related to the last developer live stream, specifically animal husbandry, uh, talking about overall, like the different artisan classes. Um, you know, I think Daedalus even said the words, it seems like a tall order the last time we had our podcast. And I felt like that was just a really good way to frame overall what we talked about, posted it. You, if you contributed, whether you're here or not, we're going to talk about it. Um, I did want to hit, uh, I'm going to go, th- I'm going to go down the list, kind of, uh, share some community sentiment, uh, via the comments because as promised that's what i was gonna do so we're gonna do that uh, i tried to post it several days early so that people can so they can contribute and we can talk about it a bit more um so i'm gonna go down the, the line here i'm gonna say one comment for last because i feel like we'll probably have a little more of a conversation around this one specifically um so anyway truly who's commented a good bit said um in regard to that video uh sharing their thoughts hopefully they can map out practicalities of designing such systems to meet a middle ground and said i guess overall it's better and it takes longer and i'll be happy to play alpha too all right cool fair enough will said animal husbandry is sounding like a full-time job not a game i feel like that's an important one to put a bit of a pin on just because that is a point that we talk about related to MMORPGs. Um, so I feel like that could be worth revisiting or, or maybe talking about. Um, Rogue Energy said quarter one, 2023 for Alpha 2 is their expectation of a release date. And 2024 for release is my prediction. They have eight plus biomes to conceptualize, are still touching on race designs, are still conceptualizing character creators and combat, and even node designs. It's way off without a doubt. Talking about... Yeah, roadmap potentially. Mob Tech, homie, what up? Said expectations, tempering, comment. Smiley face, like that preface here. It's a tall order. I hope they pull it off. Nice use of words, by the way. The uniqueness aspect is going to be interesting. How they will achieve it? How much is RNG during the training? I think these sort of systems will be in beta, not Alpha 2, but I'm still thinking Alpha 2 will be September. But I'm a hopium junkie. <laughs> so I like that. Not copium, hopium. Fair point. That's a good one. I like that too. I, I think the RNG element is something we could probably come back to and talk about as well. Because uh, I think that's an important point that was made as well. Cody said, honestly, the animal husbandry system sounds a lot like Animal Crossing's flower breeding system. Can't talk about that. I have no reference point. Uh, so if anybody else does, perhaps you can share. Um, saying, very intricate little bit of chance and a lots of time to even get one special rose. Honestly, it's everything I would want from a breeding system. I don't think every system needs to be as intricate as animal husbandry. It's good to have a variety for different player, uh, diff- sorry, for different player commitment levels. Fair point. As long as systems aren't a click through simulator or completely RNG, there's that word RNG again, based, I will be happy. Uh, Sir Nasher said morbid af but i'm starting to feel like i won't live to see the release oh that hurts to, to hear it in that little bit you notice we got a pretty good variety of where people are at this is a pretty good sample two more comments though glundberg homie what up always leaving us a really solid comments on these videos uh said i am sure they have a lot more to show uh for than what we are getting and I do also understand that it's fine to line between spoiling and surprise and killing the excitement. I want all the best for the project, Stephen and his team, and I'm sure it will be fantastic. And then John, last comment said, I mean, it's five years now, and they're just now doing race development. 
dot, 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 dot. I think it's been done a while now, and they are just not showing us. If not, what have you been doing for five years? That should be your first thing you nail down as your core playable races and get them done. I hope I'm not wrong. If indeed that is the case, I don't see this game launching for another four years. Oh, this is not a naysayer post, just trying to look between the lines, especially since they keep stuff so close to the chest. Number one, for all the people that commented, I got to give them like a hammers up for this. Felt, you know, aside from Sir Dasher with the morbid comment, um, but that was a little more for the lulls for me, whether they meant that or not. Uh, I just got to say, like, you know, these are the kind of comments I really like to see, like people sharing like uh, what I perceive as a pretty well-balanced perspective, giving their feedback, their opinions, um, not really basing a lot of around speculation, uh, trying to base it on, you know, being clear. This is like an opinion uh, versus this is a fact um, and really giving us their perspective based on everything that they're sort of taking in. Um, and it's good to see that it seems like. Seems like we got a pretty good sample of the community because it seemed like people were all over the place and overall gave us some pretty good reasons. Now, I wanted to read this one comment. Actually, I'm going to save the one comment. It's from Scarecrow. I want to talk about it. I feel like that's the whole discussion. So I think right there I'll say, gentlemen, thoughts about anything that stood out to you? I know RNG came up several times. Release dates came up several times. I'll let you hit on any of that. We'll get to the other comment after. I mean, I guess for me, the one that I'm probably, if I had to go like with what opinion mm -hmm. I'm aligned with board, uh, most, mm -hmm. I would say, like, because all these are opinions, right? They're speculation, yes. right? Um, True. I would say the one I'm aligned with most is the comment about, you know, we really don't know what level they are and how much has been shared with us. Um and I think that's probably like my key takeaway. I think, you know, there are other comments around like the complexity and having concerns and in terms of like the level of investment required too. But I mean, this is this is a, a game that really tries to capture the spirit of early MMOs. And early MMOs did have time investment. It wasn't something that was like yeah. I'm seeing in a lot of modern MMOs is like stuff was kind of just handed to you or, you know, the, the journey was less meaningful. So um, I get like the vision. Uh, I do agree. Like there's a lot, we don't know what we've seen seems like it's going to take a lot to implement, but we don't know where we are in the spectrum. So I guess I, I agree like in general with most of the comments. I mean, I, I will not even bother to speculate on a release date at this point, um, but I do feel like there's definitely a lot more ambition here, and we've kind of seen that, especially in the latest live stream, more so than any other, about like what they're really mm -hmm. um, starting out to do. And there were some comments around, well, they're just starting to design races. I mean, they had a like a lead character artist for like you know quite some time. Um, and and I'm sure just like with any project where design is like, you know, artistic design is a thing, you're going to iterate over and over and over. So I wouldn't say that they're just starting. They're just yeah. starting to show us the character design. It probably evolved over time. But once you kind of nail that down, 
if you've got a pipeline built, which I I know even got back at PAX, you know, a few years or so back, they already talked about like finalizing their pipeline. If they've got that and they're starting to throw a lot of resources at it, that's something you can crank out fairly quickly. And then the environment comment as well with the eight plus biomes. I mean, if you just look at, actually, this is pretty interesting because I was this weekend, hey, I need a new, you know, a new background. And I started looking at Ryan Richmond's work, who who's part of the team. And the amount of stuff he's like worked on, intricate stuff he's worked on is just yeah. fantastic. And so I can see that also being a lot more further along than we've been able to see or they've been wanting to show us. And and I think some of that is really having to do with um, the comment that I think Stephen made is there's a fine line between, you know, mm-hmm. spilling the beans and like, you know, and keeping it close to the chest so you can leave some discovery to people that are playing the game, but also not necessarily show your hand to competitors that might try to do the yeah. same or similar things, right? Absolutely. Oh, you have to. So, I, I I agree. I love the the diversity of comments here. Um, what one thing I I want to touch on was John uh, in John's comment about um, character design should be the first thing they're doing, and what have they been doing the last five years? we're seeing concept art now for some of the characters that concept art does not equate to character design in my opinion and getting the back end and the fundamental mechanics and systems working in the game with an idea of what you want your races to be and what you want them to entail i think is far more important than seeing the visual artwork side of it that can be that can come at any later stage in the game it does not need to be present for testing phases. It doesn't need to be present for getting all the rest of the mm-hmm. system actually functioning and flowing smoothly. So I, that, that, that was my only real gripe uh, from any of these comments is just focusing on that. Um, I, I, I also agree with Will. Animal husbandry does kind of sound like a, a, a job mm-hmm. the, the, with how intricate and detailed it was. But at the same time, that's not necessarily a bad thing because the game is meant to be played through many different perspectives and appeal to many different people. Animal husbandry was one of the professions that was really calling to me for a long time. And now I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? That just might not be feasible for me considering how much time I know of expect I'll be able to invest in the game. And and that's great to know that up front. So I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. It's something for everybody then, and I'll just choose a different profession or gathering or whatever, and it should be fine, right? So I think that's good. I agree with Daedalus. I'm not going to start speculating on dates. Uh, that's I think there's a lot more done, and Sim, you've said this a million times, I think there's a lot more done than what they are telling us and showing us. And I stand behind that. And it kind of ties back into what you guys were chatting about last week with when Pasha was here. And I think Dale has phrased it very well. It's, you know, we want to see more communication, not necessarily more systems and things. Right. It's just, they, Intrepid and Steven really kind of made that commitment to us when they committed to an open development process. If this was any other game, five years in, we might be learning that it's a thing. 
You know, we might be learning that, hey, Ashes of Creation is a game that is currently in development. Yeah. Beyond that, we really wouldn't know too much. But because it's an open development, there is an expectation from the community and from those of us that are a little bit more diehard followers of having regular communication about progress. And Mm -hmm. progress doesn't mean going into great details about all the systems because to a point that was brought up last week as well, we don't want you, you don't want to risk spilling all the beans for other studios to potentially pick up and then come and create that shell game, right? Like that's yeah. super important. Already so it happened too. It does. And it happens a lot in the industry. And mm-hmm. it that's that's expected to happen. Mm-hmm. So keeping the uh, the majority of your cards close to your chest is very important. But because of having an open development cycle, this now becomes a really fine line to walk. What do you give out versus what do you keep close to your chest giving out artwork and things like that that's not a spoiler alert that that's not good some other developer isn't going to take that and create the next best mmo because they saw uh, character art or environment art when you start getting into the nitty-gritty about how systems work looking at the road mechanics looking at node mechanics and how node systems are actually driven behind the scenes now all of a sudden it's you're giving this away and somebody else could just come along and make that so it's that that is the biggest thing i think we need to temper expectations on is what we expect and want to see in these development updates and in a directive letter it just uh, and a roadmap steven doesn't want to commit to a roadmap because that's bit him in the ass enough times that you know you learn from that and at this point we just have to be okay with waiting and not knowing much it might go back, you know, not fully to the dark ages that you guys had before, but it might go back to something close to that because they're, as you've said many times, nose to the grindstone, hard at work yeah. behind the scenes, getting things going and getting them ready for Alpha 2. And I think that'll be my last point that I want to touch on is Alpha 2. We can expect that to be an iterative process, iterative process. It's not going to be, here's everything, every system in a, in a working state for you to test right off the, right off the start. Alpha 2 servers are going to persist right up until launch, right through betas. And there will be updates and rollouts. There will be focus testing on certain elements, certain systems within the game in that time. So ha- expecting that Alpha 2 is going to be, take forever because they have all these systems to come out. I, I don't think is an accurate assumption at all. They want to get us a, a base model, a baseline in there of what they expect to be having those eight biomes, having the combat system updated and having crafting or the artisan system there to a usable extent. And then it's probably just going to build from there. We might only see one crafting profession off the start. We might only see a couple of races off the start or a couple of classes, not, not all eight archetypes right away and that's fine that should be expected yeah and i I wanted to say too that uh the character design like there's there's a lot that goes into that right like motion uh, there you talk about like character design i think art versus the character design itself are definitely two different things because i mean you we already know this okay so like you create like your your mesh the mesh is essentially like a, a creature's dimensional form, right? That's what that's what that is. And then you take like your art 
element, and it's essentially skinned over that. This is a big part of how cosmetics work, right? But more specifically, when you look at like different creatures in the world, like you see like a lion out there and then you have all these different variations. The variations exist because the mesh was created and then you take this art element or variation of this uh, visual asset and you place that on the mesh. And then you've got the different the different creatures that are of different variety. Same for armor and all that. So they've been working on character design for quite a while. Um, we, we've seen this in some regard, but we haven't really seen them, I would say, specifically showcasing it. But it, it exists because go back to Alpha 1, you've got your Dunir Dwarf jumping around, right? They've changed the modeling or the mesh style for the physiques, you know, and stuff like that. Then the character creator will um, expand upon this for your playable uh, characters down the road. But I agree that character design and like, you know, actually creating uh, what the visual appearance of races are going to be is a very different thing. Um and I would, but I would definitely also say that those two definitely tie together very, very strongly. Um, also, I didn't announce it in the beginning, but I wanted to say I did put in the request to see if we can get Steven on again for the four year. Um, I didn't want to forget about nice. that. I forgot. To, I didn't really have it written down. I did put the request in. We'll see what happens uh, in that regard or whatever. We know that they're busy and he's always really busy too so um he's made it on the past couple years or so hopefully we'll be able to get him on this year but uh i'll let you all know here in the near future if that's going to be possible or not um start also, brainstorming those juicy questions now we've had some pretty good ones over the past several uh you know podcasts like i'd say past like month or two at least so we, the community's brought up some really important questions so i'm not making any promises just letting you know friends i have I've done my part to, to put that request in. Okay. So um, aside from that, I wanted to hit on one other comment real quick. Okay. And that was that um, we had a comment from uh, another person that their name is uh, Scare, yeah, Scarecrow that I mentioned earlier. And they, they said this on the YouTube video, apparently the animal husbandry system is being split into, sorry, into each of the other artisan systems i.e. gathering, crafting, and processing. Okay. So processing is where animal husbandry has already gone. That's per... I mean, we've had that on Ashes HQ. It's on the wiki. It's outlined. It was That's the way it's been stated, right? We've got a long list of them all. You can check out Ashes HQ. You can you know go check out the uh, artisan classes and take a look at that. But I think this is important to talk about because... They, they kind of had mentioned that another creator had kind of like asked about it or whatever. It still doesn't really fully add up. And until I see something from Stephen Sharif in a public setting, I'm not changing anything because currently what we've got, we've had this for a long time. Taming is what? That's a gathering artisan class. It's been listed there for a while. Animal husbandry has been listed as a processing profession or artisan class so there's two i'm not sure exactly where the tie-in for crafting would be exactly um but i felt that he did talk about this live on the developer live stream we've the beauty of doing what we've been doing with articles and getting them outlined is we've got those details in written format to refer to and I'm going to go read something specific. Now, I don't see them adding something else to crafting, right? 
I don't see them. I don't see them adding something else. Okay, breeders fair, but again, that could just still be un under animal husbandry until I actually see something from Stephen Sharif. Nothing changes, right? I don't see it change animal on the wiki. Animal husbandry is the act of breeding. That's literally what animal husbandry is, is breeding. So uh, I don't know where the crafting's coming in. Also, I want to note that there's not anything that fits that's already listed as a profession, but I'm going to read the actual uh, update. And he, say, he said, taming will be a big part of animal husbandry. Well, it's another artisan class, and that seems like the most obvious one that's going to tie in specifically, doesn't it? But he's, but it's, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of interdependency between different artisan classes. So that's not really anything like new. He said, taming is one of the gathering professions which players can use to locate, capture, and tame wild creatures. And then, you know, tamed creatures can be bred and refined with animal husbandry profession. So breeding and refinement, as stated, through animal husbandry. So I don't see breeding as becoming a crafting profession unless he decides to go state that. If he does... Cool, then it changes. But until he says it's its own artisan class, it's even based on his his statement from the live stream, it's literally part of animal husbandry, right? So I don't know where, where like people are getting this idea that there's all of a sudden like, you know, three different artisan classes that are all actually animal husbandry, because the way I'm still seeing it is animal husbandry maybe will be because I mean, we know trees master artisanship exists the most logical thing that makes sense currently unless we see something more you know clarifying which currently i'm not seeing it is that master artisanship you're going to have branches in your main artisan class and in that class you'll be able to master one so maybe someone can master breeding and maybe someone can master um you know, some other element like training, you know, something like that. I don't know. Whatever they are, we don't know yet, do we? So until we see that, it, it's just a little too much to dig into. So the reason that I, I, I share some some caution on like trying to go say, well, this is this and this is that or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's actually a great one. So what if there will be saddle packs be in there? It's a great thing to speculate. Um we, we don't know, right? That could be under who knows where that would come in. Um, I know like yeah. creating barding and stuff was something I believe was li listed as an artisanship. It was just never assigned to a specific True. artisan class. And I remember doing research on this a uh, couple, like a year ago plus now. Mm. Um, blacksmithing seems like the most, like when you think of a blacksmith, they make horseshoes and, you know, various aspects like that. They are often True. considered in most medieval lore to also do your armors and weapons and stuff too. But we're going to have armorsmiths and weaponsmiths as their mm -hmm. own thing. And blacksmith is going to be its own thing. So I suspect the blacksmith is going to be your barding. They're going to create your caravan accessories. They're going to create your mount and combat pet accessories, things like that. And, and that, that just makes the most sense to me. So there's going to be that as an interdependency there as a way to add on. But when you think of animal husbandry as an actual physical, tangible thing, there's you, you breed the animals. All right. The, they do it like they do on the discovery channel. And, and then you can train the, the, and raise the, um, the, the offspring that that's, that's it. There's no, there's no next, mm -hmm. there's no other step to that. So taming, Will, will be your gathering they will you will be able to go out and tame animals those tamed animals 
I expect you'll be able if it's a if you go out and tame a horse, you can probably then mount that horse once it's tamed or sell it as a mount horse, or you can give it to an ant or sell it to an animal husbandry uh, professional, and then they can breed that with another train, maybe compatible thing or train it to become stronger. But I would also expect uh, taming as a gathering profession to also be able to tame combat pets, to be able to tame. beasts of burden or just your regular pets to be able to tame farm animals that you can then farm on your uh freehold to get milk or for meat or fur or hide whatever it might be uh, uh, to be able to process that way and then you give those to other professions that need them too so that like taming i don't think is directly relate um a part of the animal husbandry tree, it will be its own gathering system. I would expect it will be its own profession. Anybody will be able to pick up taming because it's part of gathering. You can do it to a degree, but to master in it, to get some of the, probably the harder to tame more rare creatures or Mm. larger creatures. That's where you'll have to be a a true master of your craft. Yeah. We've got to see those trees, man. Until we see those trees, I mean, it's all subject to speculation and change. And, and unless Stephen Sharif gives us a specific, I see a citation with his name somewhere, you know, what comes from his mouth, whether it's on a live stream or something. And I'm only bringing this up because, and here's why I'm, I'm bringing this up, okay? I like to speculate. But the thing is, is when we look at, this is a bit of tempering expectations and also just the importance of like presenting specific facts and having a credible resource to support that, right? A citation, a video clip or something like that. Because if you're not careful and you get into talking about it's going to be like this, and it's going to be like that because of uh, speculation or someone thinking it's going to be like this or that, people talked about it. All that's great. We do that all the time here. But if I was to present my speculation or assumption Right. Without a citation as fact and told that to people, that's how misinformation is spread. That's how people get the wrong idea about the game, what it's supposed to be or or people have, you know, unrealistic expectations. Um, so the reason I bring this up isn't to knock the conversation because I love having the conversation, too. It's just the importance of sort of reporting on credible resources or you know, credible citations and resources here. So I just want to make sure that we're sharing facts as facts and engaging in, uh, uh, you know, speculation or theory crafting um, as such. Um, but with that being said, this is like where I want to reinforce once again, though, this is when you think about animal husbandry, having the level of um, complexity that's probably going to have i mean we don't necessarily also really know that it's going to necessarily have to be a full-time job or something like that i also can appreciate there being an artisan class with that level of complexity for the individuals who appreciate it right but i also think you got to strike a a very realistic balance on that because you don't want to turn a game into a literal job just to do and enjoy it either so definitely balance between those two things. I don't think that some artisan classes necessarily have to be as complex as others. Um, I think, you know, some people want something just maybe a little bit more straightforward. There's maybe some things that have a lower level of, com- you know, complexity or a level of skill to actually do versus others. Um, but yeah, I just kind of want to like say that. Um, but with that being said, my hope is that all of the artisan classes those different trees within them present enough. I don't know. I guess that they're meaningful enough 
individually to stand on their own, regardless of complexity. I think that's my what's really more of a focal point for me in that regard. But I don't know. Any other thoughts, y'all, on that? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues I've had with games in the past is, has been that crafting at some mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. becomes irrelevant. And so if if I, as a player, whether I'm spending time getting to like a novice or intermediary level, there's going to be a certain demand, like from an economic standpoint or community standpoint for those skills, regardless. I mean, the demand might be more, you know, it might be more present for like the higher tiers, but there's still going to be something there. And I would like it to be meaningful at some level, um, you know, in all levels, regardless. Um, And I think that's, that's super important. And I think on the subject here too, of animal husbandry specifically, I mean, Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of ways they can go there. I mean, it's definitely confirmed in the last live stream that taming is a gathering profession. Mm -hmm. And I know that's been said in the past. So that's to me like pretty straight, straightforward. And I think half the, you might've made the comment, well, you could potentially specialize in taming pets or mount or something of that nature. I could see the animal husbandry part, you know, the breeding part of it. I could see it going either way versus it being a crafting or, you know, a refinement or processing profession because there's elements of each. Um, I think there's been some comments in chat about, well, maybe training is the crafting part of it. And I don't know, this is my perception, right, of what was said on the live stream, but it felt like as you were like raising like whatever you bred, there was a training component to that. So I I didn't necessarily expect mm. it to be separate because I was just trying to think about this logically. It's like, how would that really work? Um, and I'm kind of looking at it in terms of how other professions progress, like blacksmithing, right? You've got the mining, you've got smelting, and you've got like the actual like, blacksmithing production part of it where you could potentially specialize in any number of things like you could you know specialize in you know swords or you know piercing weapons or you know blunt weapons or what have you so there's a there's logic there that i see the logic that i see with animal husbandry is those two really um you know distinct tasks and one is you know getting you know whatever you're wanting to you know raise and then raising it um, and I think one of the comments that Stephen said as well, and it, I thought of that again, you know, from somebody in, in chat and I, sorry, I, I did not, um, it looks like chat scroll by, I didn't get who actually yeah. said it, but the comment made a lot of sense to me is that, um, you could, you may not necessarily be able to, you know, master or get to like a pretty high level, you know, a certain number of professions, you only might have a limited amount of ones you can essentially like max out or at least get to a higher tier on. So you kind of kill the vibe of, you know, again, having some uniqueness, giving differentiation among among different people that want to pursue the various crafting professions. If you don't have some sort of break between those three tasks, right? Gathering, processing, and um, and production, right, or what we call crafting. So I, I think that's important to realize too. Is this isn't an everybody can do everything game. So you're going to need some dependencies. 
you may not necessarily be able to get deep into both taming and animal husbandry, like the actual, like, you know, breeding of beasts. Um, and then even in that sense, like that was covered on the live stream too, is you could potentially, again, focus on mats, you can, I'm sorry, mats, pets, mounts, um, and then, you know, livestock or beasts of burden, which I don't know if they are the same or two different things, but the reality is there's once again, a way you can specialize, make yourself unique, make yourself, yeah. you know, more, more useful uh, as well. So mm. I think those are probably the, the, the thing that I think we just need to dig into a little bit more. And as we get more information about how crafting is going to truly work, those are the kind of questions we want to have answered because they're Absolutely. relevance is one thing. And I think depth is another thing that I really want to see too. And depth doesn't mean complexity. It just means depth. True. Um, it, it means like having a few different dials, right? It's not having, you know, the, um, you know, the control panel to the space shuttle, right? It, it is, <laughs> it is like, there's a, those are line there. And I, while I do like systems that are more meaty or more deep, I don't think it makes sense to do something so involved that it does take maybe an unreasonable amount of time investment to <laughs> get there. And that line is going to be different for different people. And then my last point is more about the testing part of this. And one thing that I want to call out specifically about the testing. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, <laughs> uh, I know that's going to get clipped. Oh, uh, I so, told him, I told him, you know, you just said that you like it deep and meaty, right? On the street. Like, Let's talk about his pizza. Let's talk about his pizza. Go on. I'm sorry. You lose my train of thought, man. I typed it. I was hoping you wouldn't see it as you were talking about it. I apologize. No, but you know how I am. I'm like, I have ADD right now. So I got to see something if I hear it. I apologize. With with the testing, and that's something that I think the, the current mainstream MMO audience, and this is not like, you know, me mansplaining right or or trying to make people feel bad but what we're used to now in the mmo genre in terms of testing is not what testing actually means right what it actually is being in pre-alpha and alphas and early mmos you're dealing with the bare bones of systems you're dealing with version one of the system and you might not even be dealing with version one you might be dealing with version point one And that's something that I think, you know, in terms of tempering expectations, Mm -hmm. I want to reiterate to everyone. Even Steven said it on the stream, if I'm not mistaken, Alpha 2 is going to be the first iteration of these systems. It's not going to be the final product. It's not even going to be like the 75% product. It's like that first stab at what things are. And because they have so many different parts working and they have different teams working on other things, right? Some of the commentary around this is going to be like a five-year mission from now, blah, blah, blah. I don't see the evidence of that yet because there's different people working in different aspects of the game. At some point, they're going to need to collaborate. But that's not necessarily, that doesn't mean that it's going to take that much longer. Again, if they've got the right pipelines in place. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yes. 
That's yeah. my thoughts, deep in media as such they are. But. I agree. I agree. And I, I just want to say a special shout out. Thank you so much to the person who clipped that chat. You know who you are. Thank you. You are amazing. You're my hero today. Just want, just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> well, well done. Well, well, the, well, you, well you've done. Got your, you got the YouTube intro clip now. Oh, you know it 100%. That's going right in the beginning. Yep. So is our next episode going to be called Deep in Media? I'm just, just wondering. I uh, I just don't want to do that. We we get away with too many things already on the show. I think with the title like that for a... Plus, it's the lore one. That would just be... You know what I mean? It doesn't even align even if we wanted to make it work. We're going to get deep in media on lore. Or we're going to get deep in media about the lore. All right. Yeah, that doesn't work. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So anyway. Oh, I'm... I, I have one big question, and, and if we do get Stephen <laughs> on the show here in the near future, this will be one to ask, is will there be any external factors or items that you can include in your breeding process to influence the result? Like, remember back in Final Fantasy VII that you had to go out and find special yeah. nuts to breed with your chocobos to mm-hmm. get a different color and then ultimately True. the golden chocobo. I'm curious if there'll be something like that because they go into a deep conversation about genetics and there'll be a ton of different variances to what you can breed. But what are the influences that you have control over and what is going to be the mm-hmm. RNG? Like aside from, you know, maybe the time of year it, it, within the game's four seasons, um, maybe your biome or your location possibly being that, uh, the type of food mm-hmm. that you're feeding them. Like what, are you, what, what types of things are you going to be able to control? Because you can imagine that when the system's here with all the variations that, uh, of possibilities mm-hmm. that you can become, people are going to be putting together databases and trying different things. And Absolutely. okay, well, this is, this is the factor that I can change. These are all the different things I can change it to. Let's do 10 samples with each thing and see what our results are. And you know, like that you expect it's going to go that way. So I'm really curious and you know, it's going to get really deep and meaty, but it's what we got to do. Oh man. All I know is I saw we're, we're moving on. I'm, I'm going to read it just because this is why I encourage you to be here when we're live on Sundays because you just miss out on the opportunity to see the chat. Because if you're not on Twitch, you don't see the chat. And uh, <laughs> deep and meaty with the breeding systems. And that's it. That's the winner. We're moving forward. Okay. Holy hell. Friends. I got a couple thoughts that we'll probably chat about, but we're going to continue on with the Q&A portion of the developer live stream, which we did not get to talk about. Always welcome you all. If you're not in our Discord, join it. Discord.gg forward slash some more. Get in there. Go to the Pathfinder channel if you got thoughts, you got topics, you got feedback. Just chat in our Ashes of Creation channel. We pull from all this stuff. So if you got thoughts around anything we've been talking about, please do not be shy. We love to talk about it. And sometimes we get some of the best discussions to have with Steven when we do get him on here um, from like community conversations that we have live around the show. So yeah. So Q and a, okay. I'm going to hit, hit these up. If we've got any thoughts, just stop me when I get done with the answer. If you got a thought, okay, don't be shy, gentlemen. Don't feel for, don't worry about cutting me off or anything. So I'm just going to go down the list. And if you got a thought, stop me. We'll chat about it, and I'll continue on. We'll try to see if we can chip away at hitting on all these today. Um, there are a good number. I didn't feel like there were tons there that was, like, super, super new or anything, but there was definitely some uh, discussion points that are worth talking about. Will enemy AI 
be aware of the environmental surroundings and would range NPCs be able to use cover when fighter player with with fire players? Answer was some encounter designs will use the environment, but will likely not be implemented across the general population. Good. Also, this sounded very much like one of the questions we got the month before. If you remember around stealth with um, stealth clot, like people who use stealth in the game. So we're definitely hearing more and more uh, reinforcement around that certain NPCs will have certain abilities, the ability to be able to detect stealth, to potentially use things like cover. Um, and yeah, so it's just good to see that there's like, again, this interdependency between different uh, class and archetypes, whether we're talking NPCs or we're talking players. Um, next point. Any classes or archetypes have buffs or restrictions in naval combat, or will they behave the same as they do on land? And the answer was, there will be elements of utility and class design that will be beneficial for naval gameplay, but will not be highly focused on naval ability, rather circumstantial overlap. Instead, an example includes a certain class that may be able to hold their breath longer underwater. That's interesting. That's fair. I mean, they they are planning to have naval classes as their own thing anyway yes. for your specializations. So having classes. that <laughs> having that inconsequential overlap, I think, is an appropriate way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and this class that can hold their breath longer might be like a SEAL team, you know, that they put together to raid ships, pirate ships, or it mm-hmm. could be like a a boon if your ship gets sank. So I like how you said. Yeah, he said a certain class. He didn't clarify specifically archetypes, even though they said, well, classes are archetypes. See, when I see questions like this, I always go, right. When he answers about that, was his mind in the place of Mariner classes or was his mind in the place of, you know, the eight archetypes we start out with? Is that is that fair? Do you guys think kind of yeah. like more clarifications? Yeah. yeah. Helpful. Yeah, and Mariner as well as a as a form of horizontal progression. At least that's how I recall mm-hmm. him describing it. Right. So anyone could potentially like level up their Mariner class in a way. Um, so I, I could see that. I could see that too. And again, this is like um, maybe some terminology they need to clarify because at some point, I believe it was Jeff mentioned that they don't necessarily consider the combinations classes. They're more like variants, right? So you've got your archetypes and when archetypes overlap, you create a variant of the primary archetype, right? So I think we right. use archetype and class interchangeably a lot in conversation. So that right. might be good. Maybe just for the team to reiterate, um, maybe a good question, you know, when Steven comes on the podcast, Right. And I say, hey, can you just kind of break it down for us so we can get the definitions right and make sure, you know, unintentionally we're not spreading any misinformation, right, of what they're right. thinking. But mm-hmm. I do recall Jeff specifically talking about that on a on a stream here, um, like, you, you know, before he, he left, like maybe it was shortly before he left, but it was it was a stream that he did say that specifically. And I think it's cited on the wiki somewhere. Yeah. Steven said in uh, January on the developer live stream, he also, he did clarify in regard to um, the playable classes like, you know, mage, et cetera. When we're talking archetypes, he calls those archetypes and anything, any combination as a result later, 
or your classes, right? So I think depending on the circumstances with something like, for example, like artisan classes we're using, right? We're saying Mariner classes. I think, yeah, I think just really sort of like breaking that down and just having that sort of like tangibly placed somewhere to where there's clarification. Because if later you augment a Mariner class, then should we be calling those Mariner archetypes? And then later on, if we get to uh, talking about, you know, any of those other other pieces that we've mentioned, uh, you know, what do we call archetype? What do we call classes? Um, how do we want to use the word augmentation too? I think that's um, important as well. But yeah, anyway, just, just some thoughts. And, and when you have a class that has that ability to breathe a little bit longer, it just allows you to get deeper and wetter. Oh God! <laughs> oh yep. Well, this is uh, this is still rated. Are we rated G? What are we rated? <laughs> You're not actually saying we're not actually saying anything really. Just lets you dive deeper. That's yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, never mind. Not Don't gonna, read into it. Not going to comment. Okay, assuming certain abilities are stronger or weaker in certain climates. Does that extend to the weekly seasons and the more varied weather changes across Vera? The answer, the descriptors used to define mechanically what a particular climate offers from cold, arid, hot, are also going to be descriptors which are going to be incorporated as part of weather events. During those weather events, the areas affected by weather events will be, likely have their climate description overwritten by whatever the event is. Specifically, example, an Arctic dragon will bring with it cold weather, which can interact with skills, abilities, functions such as farms. Okay, this was a pretty good one because this actually reinforced on theory crafting we've had for years here and we've talked about related to um, essentially if you've got a, a, a climate in a specific zone or whatever, and in you know weather or or maybe like long term uh, creatures or whatever can impact the world. He d is descript uh, descriptively saying that things like a dragon, for example, having an impact, and even that not only the climate of the zone or area you're in, but whatever modifies that that terrain or domain also will impact. So this is pretty This is pretty significant. Even specifically said farms, not only skills and abilities, but also things like farms. So again, it reminds me a lot of Valheim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does, does have that vibe. Does. I does. think the, the it, other, Oh, go ahead. It, it just really brings that world to life. Not um, not PG now rated X for <laughs> okay. Oh man, want to see flocks of hydra swans fly overhead during the fall? That's, I mean, that would be that would be cool. Uh, I've got to say though, it's this is one of those reinforcers. Is it a tall order? You know, some of these things in themselves really don't have to be complex. It's all about how it's implemented, isn't it? How it actually truly impacts gameplay that's the, that's the thing we don't know yet because we just have this to go off of and the the only other thing that i want to touch on here he didn't address this specifically though i don't know that it was asked specifically either but this season change on a weekly basis i know this has come up in other podcast episodes we've done mm -hmm. i'm really just i'm wanting to see this in a testing environment to really like 
finalize my view, but my view right now is we need to look at more or sorry, less frequent change of seasons than weekly. I think weekly just yeah. seems too too much of a rotation, especially when you've got like other elements like you know mobs potentially impacting like the environment too that might be longer term. I think that's okay. Um, but I think it's, I don't know, I just, it's almost too dynamic. I mean, I'm totally a fan of having seasons in the game. I right. like the idea of climates because it does add layers, but I'm just, I'm still kind of stuck on this. So Intrepid changed my mind, but I think weekly seasons is a little too frequent. I still stand I, by that. Yeah. I, I agree with that too, especially if we're talking about dungeon and raid lockouts if that's a week-long lockout, now every time you go in there, it's a different season. So does that now, the different weather, the different season, all of a sudden, does that change the gear that you have to be wearing to come in there to even just hold your own anymore? And what other kinds of effects that's going to have? And when you're trying to go and kill things for the first time, that's a level of variance that could just be a real big turnoff to a lot of people. Yeah, True. And I saw I saw a question around is is you know ice going to be like slippery like you're going to slide on it? I don't think so, right? I mean, because I don't. I hope not. I, I don't because I mean that was definitely not in Alpha One when I was running around. I mean, it was something I remember trying to test and I didn't see that. And I don't. I haven't. I don't remember any any clarifier that that would be the case. Um, I think that could. I also think that from a the perspective of combat balancing that could be that adds a whole lot that they potentially have to be because i look at combat design in itself as one of the big pieces that game developers are constantly having to iterate upon Mm -hmm. and if you add something like sliding or heat exhaustion or any uh any of those types of things uh related to the climate um i mean i could i could get like falling debris or something like that but weather stuff specifically i think it gets tricky um i think then you've got more things that have to be calculated and from my experience when a server when you've got cal- lots lots of different things having to be calculated all at once in a specific area that usually again in my experience equates to less performance so that's i think always one of my concerns it would yeah, especially in a largely populated area, if you've got a lot of players running around and just have, having it be slippery and how do you control how much speed do you maintain and have and like where, what's your friction level, it, it just feels like way too much to try to be calculating and doing. And I mean, I don't want to have to go to the auction house and buy a set of crampons just because I feel like walking across a lake that's frozen this week. Right. But yeah. maybe, maybe there's a market there as a as an armor smith or a yeah, blacksmith. You say. can make you can make crampons and sell them to people and be like, here you go, just attach yeah. these to your boots and you won't slip anymore. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it depends on how they go about it. Because I mean, like, I like thing. And we talked about this. T- definitely ties into crafting, right? And I see a bunch of like Donvers dropping tons of like comments around different potions. Love them. I'm all about it. I love things like water breathing potions, water walking potions. If you can make it work in your game, that's just awesome. And that's fun. Um, and I, you know, something like water walking doesn't seem like a stretch when you got animals that potentially could walk on water or something. If that's the case later, um, again, 
don't know, just tossing random ideas out there. Um, but when you think of like crafting different armor types, having like frost resistance gear, like in World of Warcraft or different things like that, or having higher uh, durability or, you know, lower or higher, higher, uh, you know, armor pen resistance or something like that. Those types of things make sense. You know, it's just, it's the environmental component that always gets a bit tricky. And I just, I, I now these days, now I'm not a game developer, but I just think about how many times I've seen game developers talking about performance and the issues of all the calculations that have to, has to go back and forth between client side to server side and how all that stuff can just lag it up, um, lag up the game. So your experience isn't, it's kind of a choppy hot mess and we don't want that. Um, so it's it's tricky, right, to deliver on more complexity, but also trying to keep things like performance and um, not having to iterate like extensively regularly on classes and combat dynamics. Um, yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a rule of diminishing returns here. I think that's important to think about when we talk about crafting complexity and like even like the example that you had half tilt about well if I if I'm going into a certain environment that requires specific or special gear for it. There's got to be a threshold where you say, okay, we're not going to go like, you know, to the, you need, you know, spikes on your boots in order to get to this area. You might have like need frost resist gear, or you might need something Mm. else. But I think there's a, at a point at which there's just so much bloat in the crafting that it, it, again, I don't know that it necessarily impacts the meaning. It just, it, just makes it kind of all over the board and it becomes more general than specialized. And I, I think, right, based on everything we've heard, that Intrepid is really focusing on specialization as a thing mm. to say, okay, if you're going to go, yeah. you know, really far down a tree in terms of, a you know, one of the you know, artisan professions, then, yeah, there, there's going to be things you're going to gain from that. But just having like so many things, like a kind of overabundance of things, sometimes makes it there. It makes a very unnecessary barrier to entry. There's got to be like other things that are more logical to, as a barrier to entry that you would need to overcome as a general rule. But having so many different components, yeah. I agree. It just makes the coding much more complex, makes the balancing complex, and 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 you hit on a really excellent point, Sim, about going in and tweaking and retweaking classes because you've got all these elements that you're balancing for now, as opposed to maybe like a set of variables that you've got um, that are consistent. The more elements you add in that maybe help with combat utility, because I'm okay with utility in general, but combat utility specifically, it, it does tend to create a lot more very variables and i think the more variables you have the more difficult it's going to be to truly balance like without making major shifts and higher designing you know archetypes and mm-hmm. how the variants kind of work right because you've already got complexity with the fact that you're multi-classing you've already got complexity with the fact that you have many different types of ways you could augment your character as well right in terms of effectiveness so it is it is a lot definitely agree with that you know another thing that i saw that it was uh it just there's a couple coming up here that actually was a good discussion pieces from my perspective one was will you be able to negate ball damage while mounted 
Here's the answer. The damage will still occur, but it will first be absorbed by the mount. If there is overflow and the mount dies, the damage may continue to the character, but that will be something that needs to be tested. I actually really like that approach. I don't know how you all feel about that, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I concur. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of Elden Ring, where it's like, okay, well, <laughs> I, hey, my health isn't going down, but the, you know, the, the mob hit me, but then you realize, oh, wait, my mount is about dead, so I got to do something about that either. And that, again, it, it, you know, it gives us like a more strategic component to it. I, I don't know like it, how, how like complex the mounted combat is mm -hmm. going to be in this game, but that's definitely a component and maybe like, you know, a way to also balance out the time to kill too, if you are mounted versus not mounted yeah. and maybe there's a, risk versus reward there so it does i think it does add some layers so i i do like the fact that they're thinking about that it's not just like a flat you know you maybe fall down a little higher than you're expecting and you like are instantly dead at least you've got some cushion with your poor mount i know <laughs> yeah the time to kill is something i think is very really important in general i know it's a more of a combat discussion but i, I just you know, when I look at like, you know, implementation via weather or whether you're talking about mounts and how that interacts or uh, pets or mounts that could fight for you. Like when you when I think about PvP scenarios, like time to kill between players, like to me, I don't want there to be this like really fast death like that just sucks. That's just it to me. It's genuinely boring if I can die or I can kill somebody super fast because I enjoy the challenge of that back and forth when it comes down to the wire of like, did you make, did you make too many mistakes? Did you not, you know, not watch your cooldowns? Did you burn through your resources too quick? Cause you spammed the abilities too much. Like those are the kind of things that I really enjoy in PVP scenarios. If I can just like burst someone in like a second, like that's boring to me. Like, yeah, it's gratifying for a little bit. I've been there. It's fun. Right. But eventually it just kind of takes the fun out of the combat for me. Again, I, just the guy with his thoughts. Right. So, you know, any, anything related to time to kill, I just don't let it be like really fast. Let that go on a bit. E even in an open world situation, let the fight go on to where someone could be like, I need help. Will my friend get here in time to help me? Cause I may not be able to take the guy like that, that like adrenaline of not knowing if someone's going to make it, if you're going to screw up with your, in the combat situation, like, will someone running along decide that they're going to engage too. And now this like one V one scenario turns into like an all out brawl, but between communities or friends and and it grows and then you got i love that i love open world pvp like that i used to love it in world of warcraft may it rest in peace when things like that were possible um i digress i i, I don't try not to name drop but damn it y'all you, you did you had a good thing you, you screwed it up now i'm now i'm waiting on the last great hope to hopefully deliver and i digress again let's move forward cheese Someone gonna say something? I heard a moment. <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting point. I, I want to touch on that for a <sighs> second. Um, not 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 the WoW stuff. The time to kill. Yeah, because the game's gonna be balanced around the eight person party with basically one of each of the primary archetypes uh, c composing of that. When yeah. we talk about time to kill, I think a lot of times, especially in PvP, where my mind goes to immediately is more of a one v one scenario. 
of, of time to kill. Like, how long does it take me to kill you? And, and now, if we're both pure glass cannons, just built purely for damage, like raid yeah. damage or something, and we go after each other, that time to kill window, I would expect to be actually very small. Sure. Because there's a lot of damage and not a lot of mitigation going on. Agree with that, So yeah. I, I would expect that to be very small. Whereas if you had two just absolutely tanked decked out clerics yeah. going after each other there's probably never going to kill each other because they're sustained you're going to battle their mana pool and their mana regens pro- probably enough to keep them sustained going forever so but but when we talk about an eight person group that time to kill window now all of a sudden i think goes right out the window because if, if you've got a coordinated group effort and you take eight of your people and target one person out of mm-hmm. that, out of the opposing group, I would absolutely expect that person to drop really, mm-hmm. really fast. If you go in there and you pump on that person right away, I expect them to just drop. If they do not activate you know, an appropriate defensive cooldown, assuming they even have one available to them, pretty much right away to, to mitigate that initial burst. So it, it becomes a really interesting dynamic considering that is not a focus of their balancing aspect at all. They're, I think they have to put some focus on it. They have to they have to test it to a certain degree. It has to be a consideration. It can't Believe. be ignored and just be solely eight person versus eight person. Everything else is ignored. I agree. Especially if they're going to have arena systems in, in the game. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, That's like, what I'm thinking too. That 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 is a, a arena and having a good arena system that will draw a huge PvP audience and a competitive audience to uh, boot. That's me, and, man. Love you know, I, I did a video on this like a year and a half ago, but if the game ever went that far, you know, arenas and WoW became kind of a higher level thing, it could e-sports. push into, into an eSport potential. And I don't want to go too far into that conversation right now, but, <sighs> you know, if we're going to talk about time to kill and character balancing, there has to be considerations below the eight-person dynamic. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. And I think one other thing too is is the time to kill and the I think they talked about this before, right? There's gonna be attack and counter, right? Dynamics in between on on a one v one level. It's you know, rock, paper, scissors, um, you know, type of uh balancing there. I really do hope mm-hmm. that they move away from the like one skill like I win versus now I need to strategically choose which skills I'm using from my like kit in order to counter another class. I would like that versus like, you know, that one ability that we've seen in games like wow, where it's like, Oh, somebody has this one ability. They've got it like set up a certain way. And it's literally like a one shot kill. Um, that to me or is bubble hearth or, or bubble hearth. Right. I mean, you know, not everybody's got ultimate defense and, you know, leaves their people in the center of a dungeon to get, you know, taken out by like some big old mobs and just screaming like a little girl running out the thing. But all I'm saying I is see, hey, he's referencing Alpha One right now. Okay. In fairness, I said I think I said run and and Continue. Run as you push me down in front of the mob. No, I did up. not. Videos or it didn't happen. That's enough out of you. So I'm trying to reinforce a false narrative that I'm a dark lord. That's what's happening. Why are you doing this, pally brother from another mother? Come on, man. Come on. But I, I gotta give you a little. I gotta give you a little grief every now. I know. I gotta gotta balance the scales a little. Um, but my point is, it's like there, there's got to be strategy to every fight. 
in my opinion. And there's no strategy when you just have like a single ability or like, and one thing that I think WoW does as well that I would, I don't like is that whole like, you need to have certain macros in order to yeah. perform. Right. I right. hope there's it, no such thing as macros I, in this game. Same, man. Same. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the same way too. And again, it's got to be like, I need to specifically make a judgment call in the moment to do it. And if, if I, you know, mess up and I make the wrong call, then I'm going to pay for it, right? There's consequences. There's risk versus reward on every engagement. And that's, I think, what's going to make it interesting is, like, again, I, I see some parallels now as I'm thinking about combat to what I'm experiencing in Elden Ring, right? It's mm. it's about learning a game by playing a game versus, like, just having a couple of, like, I win options and then you're good. Right. I think that that's the point. And I think that's what makes, in my opinion, Elden Ring kind of engaging. I kind of see that as a translatable thing doing the MMO space is what can we do to help us learn the game while playing the game, as opposed to going through like, you know, a boring tutorial or kind of getting beat over the head with pop-up windows. There's gotta be some ways we can do that. And and again, just having like those uh, a limited set of choices makes it so not fun. Oh man, it's funny. I don't think I'll die as many times in ASC as I have in Elden Ring. It's fair. Souls like for the win. That's because you got good friends around, Gruntag. We'll, we'll be around. We'll be around to your aid. It's funny. So, okay, this one right here. You mentioned the procedurally generated catacombs. This is fun because remember this was hinted on. He he did state, preface, he did say that this was not a confirmed guaranteed thing. It was something they were just thinking with, about as the, the superpower for Divine Node. It's a cool idea, but there this question's related to that, so this is going to be fun. You mentioned procedurally generated catacombs. Under Divine Metropolis, do you currently have plans to use procedural generation for any other content specifically i mean like dungeons raids islands etc answer is as long as procedural tools are well defined and have specific parameters for which it exists and is not going to be visually or mechanically perceived as procedural wherever we can leverage procedural mechanics in such a way that does not appear procedural should we should the predominance of what is designed is curated or by design that's good to hear so as much as they can utilize it where it actually makes sense. And this is something I think that go all the way back to games. I know it's not a multiplayer game, but Daggerfall. Back in the day, Daggerfall, the Elder Scrolls game, Daggerfall, was on the cusp of innovation for this open world RPG experience that you could have. You could, it was literally procedural generation like to the wazoo. If that had continued for open world games, we'd be in a whole different world right now. And probably MMORPGs also would be. But alas, it didn't happen. It's something I think is a very big missed opportunity when it comes to games, uh, whether we're talking open world RPGs or MMORPGs. Again, perfect example, though, is where appropriate. I think that's good to hear that there's like a balanced approach to that. So I just get to, it was good to see it. I'm like a proponent of that. I think it's good to hear. Um, if you have any thoughts uh, cut in, but talking about 
Yeah, I I agree here. I mean, Mm. I definitely think the statement that if we're going to use it, we don't want it to look like it's using it. I kind of equate this to like those fight scenes in movies that just totally look like they're staged um, and (sighs) how much it takes you out of the experience versus like something that's done choreographed really well and just looks like natural. Um, I think that's important. It also kind of makes me think of like where execution failed was like something like a Torghast and World of Warcraft, where right. at some point yeah. it was just repetitive. And Great it was repetitive. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was repetitive because it was literally like only a small set of variables. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of the things this makes me think of from an Ashes perspective, too, is what they were talking about, like even in how they were generating like what tables potentially could look like and like the different components on them and that they might not be exactly the same if you place them in one house versus another or in one part of a room versus another i'm like i like that because again it gives you some variety without like beating you over the head with the fact that it's procedurally generated um so i would like to see them really work on and refine this through testing so that it doesn't it doesn't have that feel and take you out of the game because you're like oh wait I know this hallway X Y and Z happens right it just it just to me it's, mm-hmm. it would be like a it would be a big immersion breaker um, and and I think that the team has definitely been talking about like they want to really kind of have a holistic like real I would say real world but kind of a feel that there's a living breathing world there and something like that poorly executed could totally take you out of that philosophy absolutely dude i think it also puts a lot more importance and emphasis on those out of combat abilities that classes bring to a group as well Mm -hmm. because they they talked about the rogue being able to see like hidden passageways and secrets when delving a dungeon or a raid or the the ranger being able to spot traps or environmental hazards type thing so when you have if it's the same exact layout every single time you go in this dungeon you know what classes you need to bring and will you be able to detect these things and see these things and avoid them because you've been through there enough times with the appropriate class that you know where all these things are so now you don't need those classes and now you can start gaming the system so to speak whereas with procedural generation maybe these Maybe there aren't even any traps this time around or any secrets this time around. It's a little bit of RNG there, whether these things even appear, let alone will, where they will appear or how they will appear. Mm-hmm. So it, it really puts an emphasis on bringing these classes with you if you want to get that bonus loot or fight the bonus boss or dodge, not take, you know, have somebody die to an environmental trap because they were the first person to trip it or third person through after the first person tripped it <laughs> should have right. been last in line, you know? Yeah. So that to me, that, that the procedural generation and, and I will agree a hundred percent that having it not look like it's procedurally generated is very important, but having it as a thing I think is very important. Yeah, you know, Torghast was a really great example of where procedural generation, like it made sense for it to be there in that capacity and that element of the game. I didn't, I never played it, but I, I no, no, my brother did. I know you did. I know some other people that did. It sounded great, right, initially. And it was such a missed opportunity for the game because that would have been a great place to just really 
let that like go wild. I mean, there's other games that have it. It really seems like they foundationally were set up for it. I mean, you instance in for it anyway. It's not like it's going to impact the greater world, right? So if you're instancing in for something and you have the opportunity to to capitalize on it, it's a damn shame because, I mean, something like that could have been... What was the other thing I'm thinking of? I'm just thinking something like that would be if you're going to have like the subsystem or sub um, element in the game that you could participate in, potentially even create seasonal content around, that could be really great. And what was the place Daedalus and in, in World of Warcraft, each uh, city had it. It was like the the whole fighter pit place you go to. What was it called? It was uh, oh. Oh, the yeah, Brawler's Arena or Guild? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Brawler's Guild. Brawler's Guild, yeah. right? That one was another great example of where something like that, I think, at least in my opinion, would have worked really, really well. Granted, it was just this, like, little cutout of here's the arena. You jump into the same place. You just get mechanics that are different and different things. But having something like that, like, you know, because every expansion, if I'm not mistaken, a new set of content came out for that little thing. And it was cool. There were things you could go get, you could earn. Um, but that was another element where I felt like, you know, it was a bit of a missed opportunity to really sort of deliver a little bit more meaningful content to it. Um, and then I kind of go, well, why do you even bother, you know, keeping up with new stuff and things if you're just going to be so basic and just barely hit the marker for it? Um, it just, yeah. Um, you know, next we've got Pasha coming on next week. I'm just going to put this out there because I forgot to say it earlier. We're doing a lore discussion specifically. Then when we get half till back on the week after that, we are so going to have a conversation about how Eastworks could work and why it would be potentially good for Ash as a creation. Cause I personally love arena combat more than any other PVP combat because puts me against other people or smaller groups against other groups in a setting where you can sort of rank and, and just really show what you're capable of. And Ashes has the potential to deliver on an arena system because of those archetypes that I think other, that I think an arena system, for example, like World of Warcraft has really been lacking for a long time. It used to have a lot of possibility. Now it's so cookie cutter. It doesn't even matter to me to play it anyway i haven't played it in a while but it, it i played it a lot um blood for the blood god phase on chat what um okay let's hit on these last ones real quick while we got a little bit of time still um will processing within freeholds be passive or requires some kind of activity or mini game to work um as it stands now, uh, the proposal isn't that it's a mini game, but rather an opt-in for Alpha 2. There will be a certain amount of prep work required first for the industry-specific component. That prep work might be finding a certain amount of lumber to light the fire and uh, kiln to a certain temperature or to process a certain grade of ore. Within that process, there is a gathering component, a prep phase, a release-related component, and possibilities that the machinery itself will have a gameplay layer. There will be gameplay opportunities opportunities and not just time sync but time sync is also a component of it as well as um because that's the throttle to how the introduction of process materials from raw gatherable into the economy uh overall on that one it i mean i didn't really have a whole lot to say to that one i mean it was it was it was a good answer uh, it didn't really elaborate on anything that seemed new unless y'all caught something new from it because it sounded all like the same stuff to me just re reiteration on it so i had a similar question like yeah. I don't know, six months ago, 
mm-hmm. and he answered it. But this this one I felt was a little bit more of an in-depth answer because yeah. my question was more focused around time gating and, and not having just a, a time sink be your difficulty measurement uh, mm-hmm. with crafting, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So this kind of went into a bit more detail of that, which is cool. I, I like the Agreed. idea that processing will have some activity to it potentially and prep work which is like the time the time gate comes in access accessing the materials required not so much just sitting there waiting twiddling your thumbs watching a progress bar absolutely the the one thing that i think is maybe missing from this answer and we'll probably know more over time is like at what level is rng really involved because i think that's something that is totally like the bane of a lot of crafting systems existence is that whole randomness level Mm -hmm. But I do like like their framework to say, okay, well, yeah, you're gonna, you know, have a time component, and and I I think that's okay to have a time component. I just want it to be a time component that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. not necessarily something that's arbitrary. Like, oh, okay, you have to wait 24 hours every time you do X, Y, Z. It should be like, you know, there might be a cool cool off period, but make it reasonable. Make it like within, you know, a certain, um, I guess. A more logical framework than something arbitrary and i i do like the fact that there is like machinery that you need to because once again this reminds me a bit of valheim and like how you needed like different tools to make certain things and you might be able to make like a base version of an item with one set of tools but then if you got this other component you could make more and then it's not necessarily as much a mini game as it is you know figuring out your strategy to you know, get the right materials and get the right tools in order to perfect your craft. And plus there was a time component as well. Again, that made sense. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think this is this is a this is a good answer. Like I said, not much new, but I think it is like more um it's it's communicating a little bit more about like the philosophy behind the systems. I agree. Um another good one though is uh will there be skills for mounts dedicated to making long distances fun? Answer was the ability to do really big jumps and gliding mechanics and elements break up the monotony of steady pace for, sorry, or a consistent path. Travel between nodes is more automated, which can run along a defined path at a faster pace. I mean, nothing really too much from that one for me. Did you have a thoughts, anybody? That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Two more. We got two more. I want to make sure we get these in here because I didn't want to be chipping away at our Q&A bits from the live stream recently over the whole month here. Um, What do you think about adding additional satellites surrounding Vera? So this is going to be another one of those uh, answers, but said there are multiple moons. The element of day and night is a fantastic touch that is often missed opportunity in other games. And I would probably also say in... uh, grand storytelling worlds in general which is something i appreciate and said that the skybox is a place where a lot of fun and visually appealing things can be done such as aurora borealis or colorful colorful moon for uh, scene settings and yeah this is totally missed opportunity i mean one of the coolest things i've seen in games is like where there's an event right And, and make it unique not make it like you know repetitive over and over and over but just having those events Mm -hmm. where like you kill a major boss and all of a sudden the sky goes a certain like color and then you've got you know know, mobs in the sky and yeah i think that would be great to kind Mm -hmm. of see something like that 
They're summoning the dragon. Yeah, let's go man. make our wishes. Yes. Look, dropping in on you like death from above. Like I don't want it to be safe. Makes it. It would be. It would make for more interesting gameplay for the individuals who do have flying mounts that can fight. If there is an aerial threat and they're you know able to actually go fight it and potentially like bring it lower and then you know have people range it down as well. It's just kind of fun. Um, the last question and answer here though: What kind of an attachments will we be able to place on our ships? A couple points here. There are three categories, uh, offensive, defensive, and utility. Ships will have classes which dictate the type of attachments that can be applied to them and the quantity. Um, as an example, as a military vessel, which may have more capacity for weapon-based attachments, whereas a transport ship may have more capacity for defense-based attachments, and each ship will be customizable depending on the situation required. So again, modular design. Right. We heard stuff like this related to caravans. I'm stoked that we're hearing this related to naval content and ships. Super exciting. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's a very much, again, another strategic element to this. Right? You might have a particular limit on slots, like they said, like there's certain mm -hmm. type of attachments in the quantity, but it. I'm I'm hoping that as part of that, it doesn't limit. I want to say oh, let me let me rephrase that. I hope there is more choice in terms of what types of offensive, defensive, and utility you can do. Maybe it's like okay, mm -hmm. I have you know a choice between a, a cannon and a harpoon as an offensive, or I have a choice between like one type of um, you know pl armor plating or something on the ship that is you know, makes me stronger against artillery or, you know, stronger against potential like, you know, mm. PVE threats or something like that. I think that would be cool to give in addition to the fact that you have like different quantities and types of attachments you can do to even giving you a little more fine tuning and horizontal progression in your ship types. But yeah, this was, this was really cool. And, and I, I know just based on kind of what has been said and what you just commented on, like they're looking at modular de design in a lot of different ways. And it's in really encouraging that there's that level of depth with the ships too. Yeah, I agree. And I believe it's been quoted a very long time ago from one mm -hmm. of the live streams is that um, this is where your shipbuilder, this is what they will do. Everybody yep. will be able to build ships at a Harbor with a ship, a ship crafting station you don't have to be a shipbuilder to do that the shipbuilder will really specialize in these attachments and other augments to your ships to specialize mm -hmm. them they might be able to influence builds beyond a certain degree as well we'll have to wait and see that's speculation but this is what your shipbuilders will do and i got a final thought i wanted to share with you all as we wind down our last uh, the end of our episode today I noticed as I was doing some discussion with the community last week on live streams and I think just talking with them that it seems that a good number of people and I think I actually would uh, I think I would actually agree with this. Tell me what you think. Do you feel that they've quite found an overall art style yet? Because I actually don't think that they have yet. Right. I mean, we've got Gen C's definitely rocking it, but like people brought up some good points about this. It does seem that between, you know, certain things where we're talking like, you know, the way the one one reference was the way the races seem to be appearing, which I don't really agree with that. I think that they all have a similar 
like sort of style, at least in my mind. Um, but with that being said, I definitely would agree that I think I can notice that between certain things like props and elements versus like the animals and things like that. It does sometimes to me seem like I see creatures and then I see some of like the, the, the props and things of that nature that we're seeing. Um, we're, you know, picking things that are heavily race influenced, for example, out of the equation though, and just looking at certain props and, and things like that. I do, it does, it does actually resonate with me. I do think that maybe they're not quite there yet on a unified art style across the board. Do you all feel like that has any credibility or do you also feel similar? Do you not? Yay or nay? Why or why not? I, I, if if I had to make a comment, there's like certain elements like of the maybe the cosmetics that I could potentially see that being a thing. Like on yeah. you, like the age old discussion around Stefferton and some <sighs> of these other more like unique, um, more like whimsical type of things. I mean, I I could potentially see it there, but there's a fine line between cohesiveness and art style and also uniqueness amongst the races and having unique cultures True. right if we look at like you know something like world of warcraft i mean their art style is overall it's more cartoonish but there's still differentiation between the you know the different races and at some level right i guess the different factions more than anything else but um but you know there is differences like you know uh human town is different from an elf town kind of thing right and a, a night elf town is different from a blood elf town and i kind of see that right now is like the um as the approach that intrepid is taking mm. um i i do think you know we are also seeing first or early passes at a lot of of these things too and they'll get refined over time so i think the feedback is valid I'm just not necessarily seeing it as like a big deal right now because I haven't seen it all and I haven't been able to look at it holistically, but I, I think it is, um, is it's important to me that each race feels unique and has kind of a unique set of like cultural, yeah. like defining characteristics. Right. And I see how, how that's being done. It feels like that's what's being done and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I'm necessarily on the bandwagon of um, of it being not cohesive. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm kind of in the same boat, and, and maybe this is just the fact that I'm not a super um, art inclined person. Uh, I'm not an artistic person when it comes to this type of stuff, especially. So I I don't see a huge difference, a huge variation. There is definitely nothing where I can really draw a solid line in the sand and say, this is one, this is the other. I think the game is a high fantasy game and it's going to have those elements. You look at the creatures and how the corruption has affected so many different animals and what animal husbandry is going to bring with the variants and the, the crossbreeding and things like that. And you're in a fantasy realm and bringing a realistic approach to certain items, such as racial influenced um, mm -hmm. prop props and accessories. When we start to see more racial influence variations of armor sets, because uh, armor set a on a Vec is going to look a lot different than armor set a on a Pyrae. Because of racial influence, it's going to have that effect on it. So 
there's going to be that element of it. But I, I think just coming down to cleanliness of renders is, is the closest thing I can see what, to what people are talking about here. And it touches on exactly what Daedalus says. A lot of what we're seeing is concept art. It's, or, or you know, first, second passes, not final iterations of it. And that's likely not polish we're going to see until beta two. I, I think, you know, absolutely share your comments. I'm not saying don't make comments or anything like that. I'm just saying I personally don't see it and I don't see an issue with it here i th- i enjoy the overall appeal and look of the game uh, when we mm. see an environment and we see things in that environment and as long as everything kind of blends and meshes well in that natural world i'm not going to really have an issue it's when you you're in the middle of a forest and you see some just like something that's just looks really really out of place yeah and and, and it's not because somebody left it there type thing Yep. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not explaining it well, but no, I get you. Like, if it looks natural, like it should be in this world, then I'm cool with that. You know, I there, there's a a big part of this discussion that I've heard from a, a lot of the community is, what does this mean into future years of the game as the game ages does the art age with it or does it kind of hold its own when you go for that realistic look that yeah. it doesn't age as well as technology advances. I, I think the game is the game and it's setting and, and expecting it to evolve over time is unrealistic with any game. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see, I I've never been able to resonate with that argument, I yeah. guess would be an easy way to put it. I, I enjoy the art style of the game. There will be certain things that I don't like the look of, you know, I'm not a fan of the humans, the way the humans look in the game, but that's because I see humans every day. I don't need to see them in the game. You that's know? a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so, when people are like, they look, they look too basic. I'm like, I mean, they look like humans. I kind of feel like they're going to be more basic to me because I am one too, you know? You you ever just look at, you know, a human without clothes on, which is their personal cultural influence. We all look the same, man. Like it doesn't. It, it doesn't change a whole lot. So, yeah, the humans are going to look basic and plain because that's what we are. Yeah, especially in a high fantasy world. But that's where I'm going to leave the question for those individuals that are watching later on YouTube, listening to this. Like, what do you think about the art style? What do you think about some of our discussion? I mean, RNG came up a lot. You know, I think overall, if there's anything in particular that really stood out that you want to like chime in on, definitely encourage you to do so. We are going to be winding this one down. Uh, next week, we'll be picking back up with Pasha uh, again on the show for sure. Talking a bit more about lore. We haven't just dug into doing a lore discussion in a while and then i think when when half tilts back on we're gonna be discussing some stuff related to pvp and uh arenas and esports and things like that because we really talked about that in a while either and those are conversations i i I personally am really invested in and interested in having again since it's been a while since we really sort of just really jumped into that um so gentlemen I'm going to let you shout out your domains, go down the line. You will hit up Daedalist and uh, Half Tilt. Uh, shout, out, shout out where your uh, domains are when you're not on the show so people know where to find you. Daedalist. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. <laughs> Thanks for another deep and meaty episode, guys. You're welcome, Got Food. And, and Half Tilt, you? Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Half underscore Tilt or shoot me a message on Discord at Half Tilt Gamer. Uh, never mind. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was just.
<laughs> encourage you all if you enjoy the conversations to join the community over on discord.gg forward slash some org uh, consider uh, supporting us on patreon dot patreon.com forward slash some org and uh, thanks to the current patreon supporters you all rock really appreciate that it's an extra layer of support there doesn't get the cuts that twitch and and youtube and places like that do so shout out to the homies um really stoked about next week um again i want to share that no matter whether you watch us live you catch us on youtube you listen in the drive home or to work each day or week um remember that you two are an ashes pathfinder you don't just have to be on this show to be that you are the community that gathers around the central flame contributes your thoughts and feedback and much love to all of you all much love to intrepid studios until next week live your best lives walk in the light and have a great night friends we'll see you again real soon good night everybody take care everyone folks.